All right. Genesis 17, verse 1. So Abraham is 99 years old, and the Lord appeared to him and said, I am Almighty God. And it's that Almighty God I want to talk about. Because this is actually where God reveals himself as, in the Hebrew, El Shaddai. All right? And I want to talk about El Shaddai, because El Shaddai is a powerful revelation. This is the first time that God reveals himself as El Shaddai. Right? Through all this time, the first 16 chapters, there's no El Shaddai revealed. I'm sure Adam and Eve, in the initial, had some El Shaddai revelation, which they lost through the fall. But he doesn't reveal himself until now as El Shaddai. And El Shaddai is not just, hey, I'm God. Because before this, he was Elohim. Okay? As just basically Lord and God. But here he, he reveals himself for the first time as El Shaddai. And El Shaddai means the God Almighty, the breasty one, all-sufficiency. So if you take the, the concept of um, you know, a baby that feeds from its mother, that it gets all that it needs from its mother, and that the mother provides protection and comfort and warmth and, and sustenance and everything that child needs is provided by a mother. So El Shaddai is almost like the mother heart of God to really looking for, you know, terminology we understand to understand our God. Okay, this is... And so it's actually quite significant when he comes to El Shaddai because he goes on and says, walk before me and be blameless. But the next thing, and he says, I'll make a covenant between you and me and we'll exceed and multiply you. So the first thing that God does when he reveals himself as El Shaddai is he enters into covenant with Abram and then he goes on and he changes his name to Abraham. Let that sink in, all right? So you've got Abram who's come from worshipping the sun, all right? Has this whole religion based around that and, and he gets this sort of revelation of God and he leaves everything and becomes a, a nomad sort of wandering everywhere, doing his thing, and, and he's got this relationship for about for, for, you know, 20, 30, 40 years with God, but it's sort of this distance relationship. And his whole issue for Abram is, I've got no heir, I've got no one. I've, you know, God's building this wealth around me. I've built this army, I've, I've built this wealth, I've built these riches, I've got this fantastic thing but I've got no one to inherit what I have. And so, so what's the point? It's my you know, second cousin twice removed sort of thing, inherits everything I've got. What's the point of my existence? What's the point of you calling me out from where you're out of her into this life? His one desire is to have a child. And, and he has Ishmael before this. Okay? So he makes his mistakes and he creates this Ishmael and this tension and then that causes its own fights within his camp between you know, his wife and, and his handmaiden and everything going on and there's all this separation going on. And then at 99 years of age, he gets this revelation from God that God is God Almighty, that Abram doesn't have to make things happen 
God will make it happen. He just has to believe and walk in faith. He just needs to be obedient. That's what he says to me. Walk before me blameless. In other words, walk in the way that I'm telling you to walk. Do the things I'm telling you to do and I'll take care of the rest. I am the almighty God. I am El Shaddai. I am all sufficiency. Everything else is my, my issue. You just need to step out in obedience. And he makes that covenant with him and changes his name from Abram to Abraham, the father of many nations. And it's almost like Abram's eyes are opened and he suddenly sees God for who God is as that almighty. Yeah? What was interesting, and I didn't realise until this morning, but in Genesis 35, if you go over to there, and verse 11... You've got Jacob. So Abraham has Isaac. Isaac has Jacob. And here's Jacob. Now, you know, Jacob means usurper and cheater. Yeah? So not a great name for because back then you named your child according to their character. Yeah? Lovely, isn't it? Hey, usurper, cheater. Can you imagine him having an argument with his brother? You know, I'm sorry, we believe him. Because your name is. <laughs> but here we are, you've got Jacob. And he's been away and he's you know, done his, his thing. He's found a wife, he's had children, that's all happened. And he's coming back. And he goes through Bethel. And in verse 11... We'll go to verse 9, sorry. God appeared to Jacob again when he came out of Paddan Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. Your name should not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he does, God does the same thing with Jacob that he did with Abram. He tells Abraham, you're no longer Abram. You're now Abraham, the father of many nations. And he says to Jacob, you're no longer Jacob, the cheater, the liar, the usurper. You're now Israel. You are now in my covenant. You are now the mighty one. You are now the blessed one. All right? So he called his name Israel. Verse 11, God said to him, I am El Shaddai. So he does the same revelation with Jacob that he gave to Abram. He says, I am El Shaddai. I am the almighty God. I am the all-sufficiency one. You don't have to make life happen. It's my job to make things happen. And just to verify that, I'm going to make a covenant with you and I'm going to change your name to Abraham, the father of many nations, so you can actually step into who you are and I'll take care of the rest. You're no longer Jacob, you're now Israel, you are now my nation, you are now my people and my covenant is with you because I am El Shaddai. Let that sink in. You can get excited later. And so Jacob makes a pillar and he makes a covenant with God there. A remembrance, a memorial stone that Dale talked about a few weeks ago. <coughs> so what's El Shaddai got to do with us? Well, it's Mother's Day. Yeah? And it's almost like El Shaddai is that mother heart of God. Yeah? That 
as a mother, you know, you have that, that nurturing, that protection, that this is my child, don't touch him. You know? I remember Jesse Planner's telling a story when he was five and a half and um, he was beaten up on a kid who had beaten up on his friend and was trying to kill him and stick him down, you know, the old long drop toilets. <laughs> anyway, the kid's dad was a drunk and came out and, you know, pulled the son out, terrorised, and he said, Jesse said he just froze in front of this guy and the guy's got this massive big wrench and he was drunk and everything else. And, you know, he was about to whack him across the head for beating up on his son. And he said all he heard behind him was this this click of a gun and his mother stepped out on the porch with a twenty-two, and said, you touch my son, I'll kill you. And she was serious. She said, you touch him, I'm going to shoot you. And his dad said, his dad dad arrived at home right at that moment in this standoff (laughs) across the backyard. His dad walked in and said, the guy looked... At his dad, and, he, and his dad said, she's serious. She'll do it. Don't mess with her children. Because that's how a mother can be, right? You don't mess with my children. You look through nature. You know, mothers will protect their children. Just keep going on. I should wear my watch when I preach. <laughs> it gets very excited. <laughs> Keep telling you, well done. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> if I follow my watch, I preach all day. <laughs> if I get the 30 minutes, it'll really start going off. <laughs> it starts telling me what I've done and how many calories I've burned and what's happening. It's almost like that. You've preached 30 minutes now. It's time to... <laughs> but but that's, that's how God, in, in that perfect mother heart of God, you know, we talk about him as father, but... But he's not male. He's God. You know, when he made Adam and Eve, he made them male and female, but he didn't, he was revealing himself through both of them. That he is that all sufficiency. And whatever we face today, he is that all sufficiency. And I think too often, like he said to Abram, look, this is me. I am El Shaddai. I am all sufficiency. I am the Almighty One. Nothing's too hard for me. I can take care of this. You know, it was El Shaddai when Jesus rocks up to the wedding and they've run out of wine. It's El Shaddai. What does Jesse say? It looks like a job for El Shaddai. Because they've only got, they've got no more wine. And he transforms that whole situation. He says, I am the Almighty One. I am. The heart that cares. But not just cares, but acts on that behalf, on behalf of you, and will come out fighting for you to bring about the result that needs to happen. You see, we often you know, assume that sometimes becoming a Christian, there's no hard times. That things will be fine. You know, God's in it, so everything must be okay, so why am I struggling through this and that? That's not really how it works. Because we live in a fallen world. But what we have is El Shaddai, the Almighty God, in our corner. And often I think he's saying to us, hey, just step forward, step into this, I'll take care of the rest. Take a step, go forward, enter into it. 
Make your move and I'll take care of the rest. But we miss out on what God wants to do because we don't step into what he's telling us to do. You know, we talked last Monday night and if you haven't seen it, go back and watch it. We can do a recap for the next half hour, but my watch might get upset. Um, but you know, God has a plan and a vision and a purpose for your life. If you're still breathing, he's not finished. I mean, Abraham was 99 years of age. I mean, get this. He has Isaac. Sarah dies. You know what? He got married again and had a whole lot more children. It wasn't like, I'm 100 now, I've had Isaac, I'm dead. He partied on. And we go... Oh, well, is it too late? Or is it too much? Or is it, you know, I'm talking to one of the other coaches in, in my job in one of the other states, and he's heading off to Florence for seven weeks, so nice life for him, and doing a trip around Europe, you know. Don't tell my wife that. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and so we're talking, I was talking about, you know, I'm starting the MBA and stuff, and he goes, Yeah, I thought about that, but I'm, I'm too old for that. I thought, You're not that old, dude. I mean, he's a bit older than I am, but. Really, life doesn't sort of end. You know, you just move on to glory. Yeah. You go from glory to glory, right? And as long as you're still here and breathing, God has a job for you to do. But let me tell you something about the job he has for you to do. It's bigger than what you can handle. It's bigger than what you can handle because he is El Shaddai. He is God Almighty. And he wants to be involved. And too often we go, oh, I've missed it. I've come to here and my life's over and it's sort of ending. And that's just wrong thinking. You know, we're the only country, to bring politics into it, we're the only country in the world that I know of that looks at our politicians and says they're too old. You know, if you take Julie Bishop, I want to take her as an example. You know, she's what? How old is she? 60-something. 60 60-something, right? So we go... The, the, one of the reasons she retired is people are sort of going, are you getting too old to be in there? But if you go to just about any other nation, most of their politicians are actually stepping into their senior positions at that age. You look at all those who are currently running for the US presidential race, 70s and above. You go anywhere in the world, they all tend to be, bar Australia and New Zealand, they all tend to be starting their race in their 60s and 70s. We're kicking people out in that age. Because we've got this wrong mentality that once you start hitting there, you're heading towards death. Life is over. That's hogwash. And we can do that in the church as well. I look at guys, I remember sitting, I mean, I tell the story, and I'll keep talking about this guy, Cyril Pritchard. He is a hero in the faith. I want to be like him. This guy was 80, in his 80s, he was in mid-80s, and he was still lecturing in the Bible college. Not, he didn't just lecture. He was there helping out. He was on the executive. He was doing this and that. He used to sit in chapel. I remember sitting there. I was a second-year student, and I'm sitting here, and he's about four seats over, three, four seats over from me, sitting there. And this first-year student gets up and starts to stammer out this this you know, sort of chapel devotion. And I always never worked out why they gave the first years of chapel because it was just horrid. 
you know. And they'd get up there and, you see, when you're first year in Bible college, you, you go in thinking, I know nothing and you're terrified, I don't know how this all works. When you get to second year, you think you know something. <laughs> then you get to third year and you realise you absolutely know nothing. <laughs> all right? So this guy's up there and it's like early, and he's up there and he's stammering out this, this sort of devotion sermon and Cyril's sitting there taking notes. And I was in a position where I could just lean back and see what he was writing. And he wasn't assessing the guy. He was taking notes like, this guy's preaching. I love what he's saying. And he's learning from this first-year student preaching probably the first sermon he's ever preached in his life. At 85. And he, I learned so much out of that guy. When he would come and take class and just his heart and his passion and his experience... And I'm going, why do we get people as they get an age and go, no, you've got to retire now, we're pushing you out the door, you've got no value. You see, it doesn't matter whether you're five or 105, if you're still breathing, God has a job for you to do. God has a plan. So it's never too late. It's never too early. It's El Shaddai, because it's not about you. It's about him and what God can do. It's what God can do. And he can turn things just like this. And the amount of words that I see coming out about how God is changing our whole church system, that he's taking apart what was, because the church had a great role since the Reformation through to now. It's had a position and it's done its job. But God's actually changing the whole structure of what the church is and bringing it into, and everyone sort of stops there because no one really knows what that next bit is. And they would tend to go off onto whatever their little pet hobby thing. But I'm watching these prophetic guys rolling it. And it's like, what does this look like? But you know what? God's not showing us exactly what it looks like because then we would try and make it happen. And he's going, no, 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 no. I'm El Shaddai. I'm the almighty God. I'm running the show, not you. And so we all sit there going... Because you see, I feel for every person, it has a different framework. It has a different thing. Because God's going, I'm not a cookie-cutter God. Yeah. I didn't make you all the same. I mean, look at us. None of us look the same. And some of us are related. <laughs> you ever think about that? We don't look the same, though, do we? We're all unique. Because God's not a cookie-cutter God. I mean... Twins don't even look the same. You go, oh, they're similar, but they're not exactly the same. You can tell them apart, can't we? Yeah? Because that's how God works. And he's saying, I'm not a cookie kind of God, and I've put a vision and a plan inside you, and I want you to step into it so I can show off and show that I'm El Shaddai. But we're sitting back going, God, you move. God, you move. He says, I've already made my move. I made you. Now you have to move. You need to make your move and I'll take care of the rest. And see, we're too busy sitting there going, how is this going to work? And God says, it's going to work because I said it's going to work. You know, Abraham was like, well, I'm 99. You know, yeah, I could probably still produce kids, but, you know, things aren't flowing that way. And Sarah's over there going, hey... It's all over. You know, menopause was years ago. 
It didn't, well, menopause, it's men are gone, you know. <laughs> it's over. Can't I say that? <laughs> you told me today I could have things I couldn't say. <laughs> All right? And so it is impossible. But God goes, no, 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 I'm El Shaddai. You know? And it wasn't for lack of trying, I get the feeling with these guys. Because when it came to go, you know, I didn't think they woke up one day and went, oh, let's bring Hagar in the situation, let's have an Ishmael. You know, they would have been trying and trying for a long time to have children. And they probably, you know, did all the little things that they do, you know, drink this cup of tea and eat this herb. And, you know, oh, I heard of this from you know, the Amorites, they do this, so let's try that and this and that and the other. And none of it was happening for them. You know, and they could have felt complete failure. And Sarah would have felt like a complete failure because her whole identity back then was around having children. Yes, she's worth more than that, but that was the identity of the culture. And she would have felt a failure. And yet in the middle of that, God goes, you're not a failure until you stop trying. Yeah? So think about it. Abraham gets his revelation and they try again. And breakthrough. Breakthrough. Because they get a revelation that God is God Almighty. He's El Shaddai, the Almighty One. And El Shaddai is looking at you going, you're seeing something and you think it's impossible. But what are you doing to step towards it? Because you see, I've discovered until you make that move... He doesn't move. Because he wants to do it in partnership with you. And I'll let you know, if you don't make the move, you will die. You'll go in the glory and someone else will take up what you let go. Now that's not a cop-out for you because then you've got to go to heaven and work through all that. For all eternity. Yeah, I'm reading, I'm actually reading Jesse's book about heaven right now, and he was talking to Jonah. And he says to Jonah, oh, so it wasn't a big fish or a whale. And he says, this was always this sadness came over Jonah. And he says, that was actually, it's a disappointment recorded for all eternity that he didn't follow through in what God wanted to do. That the whale wasn't a great experience for him. We talk about the miracle of it. But that wasn't a great experience for him because it was the point of his recognition of his failure before God. Yeah? So think about that. He's still in heaven living that through. Yeah? So be careful what you do. It has eternal consequences, yeah? Yeah? But don't, you don't want to go to heaven and be going, wow, I could have seen this happen. I could have had that happen. I could have had this breakthrough. I could have seen God do that. And you can sit here and go, but all the times I've tried this and things haven't worked or they haven't worked out how I thought they have or things haven't happened, and you can really get into this, it hasn't gone my way. I'm pretty sure that Abraham and Sarah felt that. That they'd had victories, but those victories didn't compare to where they saw their lack. And that's how we are sometimes. We focus on what didn't happen rather than what God did do. Yeah, But if you're going, I really want to see breakthrough in this, then is that the passion God's placed in your heart and he's still bringing that breakthrough? But he needs you to step into that. 
you've got to take that first step and go, you know what? I'm trusting you, God. Show me what my first step is. You know, I was there with MBA. I've been sitting on my MBA going, how am I going to pay for this? How is this going to work? I've been sitting on it for years. God told me to go and do it. And I'm going, I can't go and do it until I haven't paid for it. The wrong argument. He didn't tell me to pay for it. He told me to go and do it. Yeah. His job is to pay for it. My job is to be obedient. And so what happens when I go and step that way? I get a scholarship. And God starts to take care of it. Is it fully paid for? No. But some of it is. You know, I got offered a second scholarship with another university this week. I'm going, are you serious? They said, if you do this, we actually, you actually qualify automatically for a scholarship and so that'll take care of this, this, this in your course. I'm going, really? They're lining them up now. The third university offered me credit for three units, the equivalent of the scholarship of the previous two. And I'm going, it's almost like God showing off going, got the message yet? <laughs> I'll take care of it. It's okay. But see, if I had never made the step of enrolling and inquiring and doing all that took, I would never have known this. I had to take the step of obedience. God said, go and do this. I had to step into doing that, and then he starts to move. So if you're sitting there going, I'm looking for God to bring this in my life, have you taken the step of obedience he's had to take? Or are you still sitting back going, I'm waiting for God to do this, I'm waiting. and he's going, I'll do it, but you go step. You know, Abraham and Sarah said, you know, we really want a child, but never ever had sex. And we would go, how silly is that? They go, well, I'm 99 and you know, she's in her 70s or 80s, whatever it was, and you know, we're too old to be doing that. And God's going, seed's there, egg's ready, come on boys, let's see what's going. And they go, no, 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 we're waiting for God to move. Yeah? They had to participate. And what God wants to do in your life, you have to participate by doing what he says to do. Get that next step. And then El Shaddai, the almighty God, the all-sufficiency, the breasty one will step in and go, I'll take care of it from here. Yeah? So let me ask you, what's your next step? Yeah, we talked about a five-year goal. And I know when I talk about that stuff, you know, if you had 20 people in the room, one walks out and does it. That's reality. I'm not silly. I've been training, you know, and coaching and so on long enough to know that it's about one in 20, one in 15, that actually step on and do something with it. Now, that's a really depressing stat when you train and work in that field. Yeah. It really is. That most people go out and, you know, because we talked about writing down where you want to be in five years, what God's put on your heart. You know, working out a plan to actually get there. What does that mean? What is your next step? What does God want you to do? See, the question is, are you going to be the one in 20? You know? Which means, did you go and do it? Was it your next step? Do you wake up in the morning and it's next to your bed? What, you know, right there. So the last thing you see is that. The first thing in the morning is that. That you wake up and you rise, you know, you go to sleep to the dream that God's placed in you. Because that's what God did with Abraham. Every night he would go out. And what's the last thing he'd see? The stars. When he'd wake up in the morning, what did he see? He'd see the grains of sand. 
So morning and night, his vision was before him for what God wanted to do through him. Have you written down the vision that God's put in you? That what he wants to do? Are you taking the step and letting him take the next bit? Yeah? You have to walk in partnership with him. He is El Shaddai. He is all sufficiency. He is God Almighty who will take care of it. But he's doing it in partnership with you. Because then you, can, you can't say it's all about me. But it's look what the Lord has done. Yeah? Look what the Lord has done through me. Because then you reflect his glory. When you step into what he has for you, you glorify him. When he takes care of the rest, it's look what the Lord has done. It's partnership. Yeah? So the challenge is, what's your next step? What's your next step? Because he'll always tell you. And if you're going, God's not speaking, go back to the last thing he said. You know, I've found since I've done this, whoa, he's starting to open things up again. I'm going, oh, I've been missing that. Oh, that's been missing. All it took was one step. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are El Shaddai. You are the all-sufficiency one. You are the all-sufficient one. You are the Almighty, the Lord Almighty. Father, I pray bring back to us remembrance of that step you want us to take, of that vision and that plan that you've placed in our hearts. That, Lord, we can take that first step towards what you have for us, knowing that you'll take care of the journey, that you'll take care of the rest, that you'll make the breakthrough. You are the Almighty One. And we want to thank you for that. And we bless you for that. That you're our sufficiency. In Jesus' name. Amen.